Hebrews 4, uh, reading from verse 1 down to verse 13. This is God's word. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declare an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We thank God for his word. Let me pray for a moment and then we'll think about these words. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we've just read, we thank you that the word of God is alive, it's active, it goes to work. It, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It works within our hearts, within our souls, it lays us bare before you, God, and we pray right now that you would speak to us what you want each of us to hear individually and corporately from your word. So Spirit of God, lead us, make the word of God come alive in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today I want to speak again about going deeper. This is our little mini-series as we approach the summer months. Um, and I want to think about going deeper into rest, into the rest of God, and into Scripture. Who wants a rest, just out of interest? We had some hands up earlier, but yeah, who wants a rest? Yeah, come on. Who's a little bit tired? <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm busted. <laughs> who needs a break? Who needs a break? Two hands up um, on that one. I'm amazed, honestly, at, at how genuinely hard it is for us as people, as human beings, to take a rest. Sometimes it's almost like a badge of honor how busy we are um, and that we can't almost take a rest from the busyness of life. I hate that answer when people ask me, Stuart, how are you doing? My, my, almost my immediate response is, I'm really busy. 
I'm really busy. I'm good, but I'm really busy. I wish that would change and that it would just be, you know what, I'm really good. I'm really good. Um, at the turn of the year, if you remember the New Year's Day message, we talked about the importance of working from a place of rest rather than getting totally burnt out and having to rest from all of our work. And yet most of us live our lives from that latter place where we have to rest, burnt out, from all the work that we're involved in. There's a huge message in this today about resting, about the importance of rest. And the best rest that we can have as the people of God, the deepest rest that we can have is in the presence of our God. And as we're going to discover over these next two Sundays, particularly the place of Scripture, the Word of God, and the place of prayer in the rest that we experience in God, Scripture and prayer play a vital role in the rest that we have in God. So you'll be pleased to hear that, that this summer I'm encouraging all of you to rest. Not to take a break from church, by the way. Not to disappear to the caravan every single week. Just getting that in there again. Sorry. Speaking to myself too. We now have a caravan, so there we go. Not to rest from church. Not to rest from faith. But to rest deeply in God to find our deepest rest in him. That's what I'm calling us to this summer. So entering his rest, let's look at the first 11 verses in this passage. God, God wants us. In fact, I believe God commands us to rest in him. It says this in verse one, the promise of entering his rest still stands. Isn't that good? The promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful then, the author writes, that none of you would be found to have fallen short of that. Okay, that we wouldn't be found to have fallen short of the promise of God's rest. There is a promise of rest available to all of us. But in the book of Hebrews, there's a warning that's repeated, do not harden your hearts. And that's a warning that's repeated throughout these chapters in Hebrews. The author says, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your heart to what God is saying right now in these moments. Don't harden your heart. Don't, don't close off from what God's about to speak into your life. That's a real danger, by the way, for all of us as human beings. And if you're sitting here and your heart's kind of just hardening a little bit to what God, what God might be saying, God's word says, do not harden your heart. Let your heart become open right now, soft, to what the Spirit of God wants to communicate to you from the Word of God in this moment. Do not harden your hearts. By saying that, the author to the Hebrews is actually going back to Psalm 95, and he's using words from Psalm 95, where we read this, Psalm 95, 10 and 11. This is God speaking, and God says this of the, you know, the wilderness generation of God's people, the wandering, disobedient wilderness generation. God says this in Psalm 95, 10 and 11. God says, for 40 years, I was angry with that generation, and I said that they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declare an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. They shall never enter my rest. Now let's think about that. There's a lot in this. Are you with me? Are you ready to go deep into this? Okay. What, what we're thinking about here, this wilderness generation of God's people, they 
Um, their story is recorded in the book of Numbers and elsewhere in the Old Testament. They, they repeatedly heard the message. They heard the message of God. They heard the message of the promise of God that they would have a, a land. There would be a land promised to them. It would be a place of beauty. It would be a, a land of rest, a land of abundance. It would be a land of peace. It would be a land where they could rest their weary souls as they trusted in the God who would lead them there. But the overwhelming majority of God's people did not share in the faith of those who did obey God, namely Joshua and Caleb, those who had a report of, yes, we can enter the land, we're gonna go there. But the majority of God's people were disobedient. They didn't believe it. And God said, they will not enter my rest. They will not enter the promised land of rest. So what does the author of the book of Hebrews mean here when he writes that the promise of rest still stands? Why is this so important? Well, for the Hebrews and for us today as a church, there's a much more profound message of good news that has come through one who is greater. He's described in, in Hebrews chapter three as, as being greater than Moses. He's greater than anyone else. And the promise of rest that still stands comes through Jesus to us today. And so the warning coming for us is to not fall short of the promise of rest that's available to us, to us today in the person and in the works of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The promise of entering God's rest still stands and it's available to us in and through Jesus. Do not harden your hearts towards the Son of God. The rest of God is found in him. And what we see in verses 3 to 11, and the author begins to clarify this heightened sense, this heightened sense of rest that's available to us as God's people. And the, and the author describes how we can enter into that beautiful rest. And what the author does in verse 4, he reaches back into the creation narrative into Genesis chapter 2, and he traces the pattern of rest that God himself set for us as people today. Imagine that. Imagine the creator and, and the sustainer of the whole universe had to rest from his work. Imagine a God of infinite strength, infinite power, unmatched resources in himself. God has it all. Imagine God has to rest. And then the audacity that we have some of us think we don't have to rest. That we just keep going. We keep going. We wear, we wear our busyness as that badge of honor. How are you, Stuart? I'm really busy. Just want you to know that. <laughs> God rested and the pattern is set. The pattern is set for us that we ought to rest. How dare we not take heed? of what the God who created this whole universe did. So we're brought back into Genesis chapter two. Uh, and what we discover, um, we discover that the rest that we're commanded to keep and enjoy has this beautiful present reality and future dimension to it as well. 
For the believer, there's this present rest that we can experience with God, that we can enter into right now, that we can enjoy with God in the present moment. We're able to enter the rest of God right now at any given moment because of the work of the great high priest, Jesus. We're going to come back to that next week. So it's interesting here because the author talks about rest in verse 1 and verse 6, and then he he changes it to Sabbath rest in verse 9, if you're following along. He changes the terminology to Sabbath rest. It's like a a double-barreled word there. It's not rest anymore. It's Sabbath rest. And that's really, really important for us all to understand because Sabbath rest is something that is really, really important And some of you did our our, um, Sabbath practice back in in February. We were looking at this spiritual discipline of of Sabbath. uh, And we were learning how the Hebrew word for for Sabbath is Shabbat. Or the Hebrew word actually for rest is Shabbat, which is where Sabbath comes from. And it's a word in ancient Hebrew that carries this meaning of, of, of stopping, to stop, or to cease. You know, to actually stop, to cease, to stop going about the stuff that we've been doing at the rapid pace that we've been going about it, to actually stop, but it also carries that sense of celebration. And if you were part of that, that, um, that practice we were looking at, we learned that Sabbath actually carries four movements for the people of God. We stop. We stop what we're doing. We enter rest with God. We stop, we rest And when we do that, we then delight in him. Our heart comes alive again. We delight in God. And the fourth movement is that we worship him. And so here's the thing. Sabbath rest always brings us back to worship. Do you ever find your heart wandering away from worship and towards other things? Well, rest, Sabbath rest brings us back to worship. It brings us back to the heart of God. It brings us back to a delight in him. If we don't enjoy Sabbath rest, we miss all of that. If we don't stop, rest, delight, and worship, we're going to miss out on that. And we've just sung about it, that heart of worship, coming back to the heart of worship. I believe the heart of worship comes back when we stop, when we rest in God and in his promises for us, when we delight in him again, then we worship him. Sabbath rest is really, really important Sabbath rest gives us rest for our weary souls. Sometimes my body is tired and sore. At 43 years of age, it doesn't get any easier. Sure, it doesn't, Ricky. I'm looking at your knee brace on here. Things break down. Going for a run takes me like seven days to recover from. I'm not, I'm actually not joking. Even doing this right now, I was in the gym yesterday and I'm sore just as I do this. It's not good. The body breaks down, but you know what? We get weary within. It's not just on the outside. We get weary within. We get tired within. Our soul gets weary. Sabbath rest provides rest for what we need the most. Rest for our weary soul. So let me remind all of us that there are a few things, few things that we need more desperately in our lives today is the recovery of this Sabbath rest, the recovery of this deep rest for our souls, that we would take at least a day out of our week when we rest in God, 
that we would experience moments in our work week when we stop, when we rest, when we delight and when we worship him, that we would always come back to that place, that we would never think that we're too strong, that we don't need that, that we would never let ourselves just drift or sleepwalk in our Christian lives to the point where we just drifted so far from that heart of worship. Perhaps you're a business owner. You're trying to lead an entire company. I know some of you here this morning are in that place. Maybe you're a young adult. You're navigating the chaotic early days of your working life. You're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to make your way in life. Maybe it's university that you're at and you're trying hard to, to get the modules done, get yourself finished. Maybe you're a teacher. Just out of interest, put your hand up if you're a teacher. Put it higher than that. It's poor teacher. Yeah. Okay, and then secondly, put your hand up if you feel completely rinsed right now, like wrecked. Yeah, you, you're more enthusiastic about that one. You, lots of teachers who feel exhausted right now. I've been in the local primary school this week and we could all sense the kind of you know, tiredness that's going on. And some of you teachers, we love what you do and you're tired out right now. Um, you're done out at this time of year. Maybe you're a mom, a parent, just and parenthood has taken its toll. Maybe you've got grown-up kids. And I mean grown-up kids at my age. And they've taken their toll. <laughs> and you're tired. You've been dealing with stuff in all seriousness. You've been navigating stuff that you, th you thought the teenage years were going to be the hardest years. But as life has gone on, problems have got even greater. And you're tired and you're weary. We live in a restless world. I believe God is inviting us. Once again, this morning as you hear his word, don't harden your heart. God's inviting us into Sabbath rest. It's presently available, but there's also a future dimension to it a future dimension to Sabbath rest. And the thought here, if you look at verse 11, if you're following on verse 11, the author says that we're to make every effort, okay, make every effort to enter that rest so that none of us would be found floundering in disobedience. Make every effort to enter that rest. We are to strive to get into that place of rest. There's something really beautiful in this because every time we, we choose to enter the rest of God, every time we strive to get into that place of resting in his presence, every time, I believe, we're reminded, we get a glimpse, we get a glimmer of the eternal rest that will be ours. One day when we enter into glory with our God, for everything that heaven will be, for everything that the glory of that place of, of, of uh, where we enjoy the presence of God, everything, there's many things about that, but I know one thing that will be there will be this sense of eternal rest. <sighs> Striving will be over. The battle with cancer will be gone pain will be gone. All the heartache we ever experienced here on earth as human beings will be swallowed up in the beauty of the presence of God. And we will breathe the air of heaven. We'll breathe, what is it? How long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets. 
to look upon the one who bled to save me and to walk with you for all eternity. Moments of Sabbath rest here on earth give us glimpses of that day. We get glimmers of that day. You want your heart to be encouraged? You want your soul to be lifted? If you're dealing with some really hard things in your life right now, do you want to lift your heart? Do you want to lift your soul? Stop. Rest. Delight in him. Worship God. You'll get a glimpse of heaven. You'll get a glimmer of that day when you breathe the air of heaven. So this summer, do yourself a favor and seek the rest of God. Get into his presence. Don't harden your heart towards it. Make every effort to enter into it. Okay, I'm going to speed up here because I want to say something else really, really important about this passage this morning. Um, Rest is connected here to two things. It's connected to scripture and then it's connected to prayer. So we rest in the word of God. This is really important. Take a look at verses 12 to 13. Um, The word of God is described, I think I have this on the screen, the word of God is described in at least five ways, okay? The word of God is living. God's word is alive in this present moment. It lives, it breathes. God's word lives. It's a living word. God's word is active and energetic. There's an activity in the pages. There's an energy in the pages of God. It, It carries weight. The word of God is is energetic. It does work within us when we read it. Thirdly, it's sharp and it it pierces. Not interesting, it can pierce through anything. The Word of God can penetrate anything. The Word of God probes into us, it cuts into us, it, it exposes the recesses of our hearts. The fourth thing we read in those two verses, it judges and it discerns. Word of God is truth, it's pure, it's perfect. It judges and it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the human heart. God searches us and God knows us. I heard recently this wonderful bit of advice that we shouldn't just, we shouldn't just read the word of God. We should allow the word of God to read us. Isn't that good? We shouldn't just read the word of God, but we should let the word of God read us. It reads us. God reads our hearts. We check ourselves and we're like, okay, my heart doesn't line up with this. The word of God has read us and then we're transformed by the power that's contained within it. And then fifthly, it uncovers us. The word of God lays us bare. The author to the Hebrews writes, it lays us bare, it opens us up. It lays us bare before God. I read this week, and this was interesting, medieval map makers, um, and I think I've got a picture of one that's apparently a medieval map. Um, Medieval map makers would have um, typically wrote on the edges of their maps. You know where they didn't know what was beyond that part of the, the map? It was unexplored. Um, they didn't know what lay beyond the edge. They had only found so much. And medieval map makers would have written on the edge of their maps, here be dragons and wild beasts. Here be dragons and wild beasts. That's all they could think of. You know, it was like mythology. We don't know what's out there. Um, it's strange, it's uncharted, it's, it's mythology. Here be dragons and wild beasts. But similarly, if we're all honest, there are unexplored, even mysterious edges of the human heart. And in those places, dragons and wild beasts grow and are fed. 
in the dark recesses of our hearts, the word of God gets there. It exposes, brings the light. Power penetrates us. And God breathes new life. He destroys the wild beasts. He slays those things in us. So all of that might not sound like rest. <laughs> the word of God is a sword. It's going to go to work in my heart. That doesn't sound very restful, God. Well, when the word of God does its work within us, we, we experience his rest. The word goes to work. We experience the promises of God come to life and we enter the rest of God. So let me close very quickly by bringing our attention to just some of the qualities that we read in Psalm 119. Here's my plan for the summer and for about the next five or six summers. Psalm 119 is massive. It's the longest psalm in the whole uh, Bible, in the whole uh, psalm book. Um, psalm, it has a whopping 176 verses. Um, and, and it's really interesting because Psalm 119 like, brings us to a place of delight and worship in God. But, but right at the heart of it is this repeated, this repeated call to put the word of God as a top priority in our lives. So this summer in August, we're going to look at Psalm 119 um, and Probably for the next five or six summers, should the Lord spare me, we're going to revisit Psalm 119 again in August time, and we're going to finish it off in five, six years time, hopefully. That's the plan, but we're going to begin at this August, looking at chunks of Psalm 119. Anyway, here's just some of the things that Psalm 119 says about the Word of God. God's Word cleanses us, and it keeps us on the path of purity. The word of God hidden in our hearts keeps us from sin. God's word is a counselor. When we sit down and delight in God's word, it counsels us and guides us in life. That's verse 24. Psalm 119, 28, God's word is a source of strength. It lifts weary souls. Psalm 119, 93, God's word imparts life and preserves life. It's a continual source of life. Psalm 119, verse 130, and in 105, God's word unfolds. And when it does, the light of God floods in, grants understanding to simple hearts. Verse 165, God's word gives peace to those who love it. They are secure. They stand in a safe place. If you want to experience all of that and more, peace for your soul, enter the word of God. Read it. Let it read you. So we're going to go deeper this summer. Let's wade out into the deep waters of God's word. I want you to wade out with me. And if you don't, like I said last week, it's going to push you in. <laughs> push you into the deep end. Have you ever had that experience where there's cold water in front of you and you kind of, you're like, how am I going to get into this? And, and you, <laughs> you sometimes, if it's a swimming pool, you go down the ladder and oh, you come back out again and, and you... It takes a long time. Or if it's the ocean, you're kind of wading out and you, you get to your knees and it's like really cold. The further you go, it's just like unbearable. Sometimes I think it's just better to jump in, to just jump into the deep end, to get in a rock and jump into the ocean. Something happens and it's like, <gasps> your breath is taken away, but my goodness, it becomes joyful. I think it's better to jump in, into the deep end, 
to get straight with God. So three questions just as we finish. We're going to think about this over the next three weeks. When it comes to rest, our next two weeks, rest, scripture, and prayer, what is your plan? I don't know if I don't have these. What is your plan? In other words, what are you using? Devotional material, an app, something to spend time and rest and devotion. What's your plan? What's your pattern? What works best for you? What time works best for you to be with God? And then what is your practice? How are you going to live it out? How are you going to live out what you learn in that place of rest with God? What's your, what's your plan? What's your pattern? And what's your practice? I'm out of breath. We're going to sing. Um, let me invite our worship team forward. We're going to worship God. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. And then we'll sing. I'm glad I wore a thin shirt today because I am sweating. It's really warm. I'm sure you, I can see everyone going like this. So um, you're ready to stand and, and worship God. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we love being together in your presence. And even though there are many of us here, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are speaking to each of us individually. Lord, we ask that none of us would be found hardening our hearts to what it is in these moments that you're saying to us. You're communicating truth to our hearts. What is it that we need to hear? And Lord God, may we respond in obedience to you. May we be those. Maybe today, Lord, some people in here are just absolutely busted with life, exhausted with the demands, the pressures, even the heartache and distress. Lord, may they find deep rest in your presence today. May they go to your word. May they seek you in the place of prayer. And when they seek you, Lord, your word tells us that, that, that when we do that, we will find you. Father, as we prepare to worship right now, we lift our voices in adoration once again. Lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.